Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. We have a special edition for you today. My name is Mike Pratt, and I have with me today Zach Rissler and Mark McGee, other members of the podcast, helping me out with interviewing some of these fantastic minds. I am recording this at Scuff. 2019, that's the Society for Clinical Ultrasound Fellowships Annual Conference here in Columbus, Ohio. It has been a fantastic conference so far, but what I'm very excited about is that we are going to get to talk to the incredible educators and leaders in point-of-care ultrasound that are present at this conference. So, for each one, we're gonna ask them the same questions, and as we go through it, we're gonna hear different responses. Hopefully this is going to provide a look into these amazing minds. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Jennifer Cotton. I am a ultrasound fellow at the University of Utah. Jen, great to have you. Now, I'm gonna ask you, what is a POCUS application you would like to see more research in? So I know there's a lot of cardiac research already ongoing for POCUS uh, in the emergency department, but I think the area that I'd like to see more research in is some resuscitation ultrasound. And so specifically relating to TEE and its applications and how we can better improve our cardiac arrest and peri-arrest patient care. Definitely. Great answer. There's been a lot of exciting stuff coming out with how TEE can help you in cardiac arrest, but there's definitely more that needs to be done. Do you have a favorite POCUS study that you think everyone should know about or read? Uh, I think I'm a little biased, but um, just keeping in line with the TEE uh, train of thought, I know that there was a great study that recently came out of our institution looking at TEE and cardiac arrest pause times and how that shortened pause times for cardiac arrest, which I think is a really valuable part of um, how TEE can change cardiac arrest management. Definitely. And we reviewed that study on the podcast. We love it as well. Jen, just lastly, why is SCUF important to you, or what does the Society of Clinical Ultrasound Fellowships bring to the table for you? So for me, it's a really great place where all the leaders in ultrasound education, ultrasound fellowship education can come together and sort of unite and share ideas and rally behind common causes and really so that we can act as a group together. Perfect. Thanks, Jen. Great to see you again. Uh, my name is Rikar Adhikari. Uh, I'm coming from uh, University of Arizona. I'm one of the ultrasound faculty at University of Arizona. In terms of application, um, I really want to see something um, uh, like 3D. Uh, this is my new research interest. Um, I think it has great value in terms of patient safety, especially for procedure guidance. Uh, there is including TE, there's a lot published for other applications, but when it comes to 3D, there's not a lot published in the point of care world. Um, I think this is something I hope uh, our leaders will pick up and do uh, research on. Incredible. I can't wait for that to happen. Do you have a favorite research study in point of care ultrasound? Yeah. DVT is my favorite one. Um, the reason being um, we have a lot of conflicting literature 
uh, whether two-point exam versus two-region exam, whether we should include CAF DVTs, uh, whether we should do Doppler. Seem like always we leave five to six percent of the patients, the ones which have isolated DVTs, um, we may miss them. So this is the reason I think uh, my favorite um, application right now is to look, compare uh, extended compression ultrasound to uh, traditional two-region compression ultrasound. And you did a great study several years ago that I think really made people realize that the two-point is not sufficient to rule out DVTs. From my memory, you seem to miss some that are in the femoral vein uh, if you don't track that down far enough. That's exactly right. About 6% you're going to miss in the uh, femoral vein, uh, but we really don't have head-on uh, studies between external compression versus two-region um, uh, compression ultrasound. So uh, external compression ultrasound includes the femoral vein all the way to the adductor canal. So that that is something I know some other group uh, is actually uh, coming up with the prospective study of. They've already enro enrolled some, and that's our goal too in our shop. So. Great, that's fantastic. Now, Srikar, just lastly, can you just tell us a little bit about what SCUF means to, to you or what this whole organization or this conference brings to the table? Yes, first, I always learn something new, uh, listening to experts, how they teach, how they give feedback, um, how they assess competency. So, um, and also have an app now, uh, this presents me an opportunity to interact uh, with other um, ultrasound uh, faculty who are doing a variety of research projects. So I actually, my, uh, when I come here, uh, besides socializing, I always talk to people how do they run their shops and what are the new items they have incorporated in resident and fellowship teaching and so on. So it's always in value for me. I in fact take notes of what other people do so I can take it home uh, and try some of those things. That's great. Well, that's fantastic. I'm sure a lot of people come here to talk to you as well. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jason Namora. I'm the ultrasound director at Christiana Care in Delaware. Jason, so glad to have you here. So what point of care ultrasound application would you like to see more research in? I think the applications, we have a broad group of them. I think the hot topic right now is ultrasound guided nerve blocks for opiate sparing pain control. But overall, with all the different applications, I think it's wherever we find interest, but I think the push is more of the patient-centered outcomes in the research. So the applications, I think, are a little less important, more so how we're helping the patients rather than just success or feasibility of the different applications. So overall, shifting to more robust study design so that we can get data on how this is actually helping patients instead of what is commonly done such as is this an accurate test yeah and i think that's where it'll make a big difference for us and for our patients because i might be able to do a great exam i might be able to get those great views i might be able to get a technically good looking block but did it actually affect my patient's care and did it actually improve things for them that makes total sense i definitely agree with that now what in your opinion is a must-read point-of-care ultrasound study uh, I might be a little biased, but I think the Reason study was a really great study. And the data from there and the outcomes are important, but I think the other part for ultrasound enthusiasts is looking at how Romulo and the group sort of brought all these different people together and got an unfunded study across multiple hospital systems and everybody working together to produce that data set and that information. The information is important, but also that collaboration and the working and how people were willing to dedicate a lot of time to that study without funding 
knowing that we had to push things forward to get to the point where there can be funded studies. So that infrastructure part, I think, is really important to note in that study. Yeah, that is certainly an impressive feat, and that was definitely a great study. You should check out Reason, and I, I can put a link to that in the show notes as well. Jason, lastly, what does SCUF mean to you? What what does it bring to the table for you? I think, well, we're currently at the SCUF conference, so something that came up in the keynote address from Shrikar was very important about the growth of emergency ultrasound and POCUS over the last several decades. And I think SCUF is a great way for us to come together as the educators and the performers and the leaders in uh, clinical ultrasound for emergency medicine and share our ideas and sort of take the field forward for those next steps. And while we may not make huge changes for practice here at SCUF, we are laying the groundworks and we're building that framework so that when we all go back home after the weekend, that's where we can start those um, steps to build everything out. And this is where a lot of those relationships are built and those networks are built and plans for the future. Great answer. Just lastly, because I know our listeners will want to know, you always have such great socks. Where can we get our hands on them? Oh, it's actually a startup company that founded out of uh, some people that left Fast Company. I believe the company was Nice Laundry. That's online. That's great. Thanks so much. No problem. Thank you. All right. Welcome. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself and... Uh, Give us a, a little rundown of any studies you think are really important, um, must-know studies. Hi, uh, my name is Alan Shim. I'm from All of You UCLA, and I'm happy to be at SCUF. Um, I guess uh, um, some what we are lacking in terms of focus research is the, the clinical inter- integration question, like how do we actually have studies that um, model the, the kind of workflow that we normally have in the ED and, and uh, things like studies like that incorporate um, ultrasound into clinical reasoning. Uh, for instance, uh, I think Seth Keenig did a study, uh, I think he's an intensivist somewhere in New York where he did a study looking at the rate of reduction of CTPAs uh, using uh, essentially lung ultrasound. And the key part in, it is, in this is that uh, he was able to figure out that there was a, a, a differential diagnosis, like a more likely diagnosis, like a pleural effusion or B-lines, and thus, uh, you know, essentially lower the Wells criteria, the, the Wells score. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to do more of that. We need to incorporate radi- uh, cardiology, radiology, uh, our hospitalists into these types of studies. Great. Why is scuff important to you? Because of the people in the room, I guess. <laughs> no, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, this is like, this is amazing to have people that do, basically, um, you know, my job or, or you know Tim's job or Mike Mike's job, and and you know just to be able to, to connect and and kind of share our, our mutual frustrations and and uh, what we see is the vision for POCUS in emergency medicine as well as, as outside of EM. Uh, it was great that, um, I forgot what her name was, but the, the Mass Gen Internal Medicine Fellow, you know, it was great that she was here. She was able to give us some perspective on, on their challenges. And, you know, it's great to be able to think outside of the ED, how do we use POCUS in these other situations? Uh, you know, in, in the case of her, like, you know, she would avert uh, a transfer to the ED because she would be able to diagnose this. Um, you know, we have 
people in our clinics that are asking about like hydronephrosis ultrasound, bladder volumes, uh, looking for B lines, et cetera, uh, looking for triple A's, and, and I think they all have applications in, in clinics. Great, thank, thank you. you. So my name's Dan Mersch. I am an ultrasound fellow at Thomas Jefferson University. And some of the applications I think need additional research are going to be the portable ultrasounds, the hyperportable ultrasounds, and they're becoming the stethoscope of the future. So we have our early learners, our MS1s, 2s, 3s, and 4s, who are going to begin using this clinically um, as well as in their future careers. And we really don't know how that's going to work. We don't know how to educate them most effectively, though that research is you know, coming out. And we need to make sure that they're doing this safely, effectively, and integrating it into their clinical thought process in a way that they're going to be benefiting patients instead of uh, possibly you know, harming them. Um, as far as your uh, second question, uh, why is SCUF important? I think it's incredible to be in this place with so many other colleagues and making the family of ultrasound exactly that, a family. Uh, there's always that talk that everyone in ultrasound knows everyone, and I think this meeting is exactly why that happens. And so it's, a, it's an honor to be a part of it, and I look forward to the next few years. Great, thanks. So I'm Timothy Jang from Harbor UCLA. And um, I think right now that there's probably two areas that are, at least have the most interest to me. I think one is obviously the emerging TEE literature. Obviously, Arntfeld has put out some good stuff, and we're all still thinking about it. What we really need is to have more outcomes-based uh, research, and I think this is where collaboration with cardiology will be really important. A lot of cardiologists still ask the question, why would the ED do TEE? And because most cardiologists don't do resuscitative TEE, um, their concept of it is very limited. And so this is where we need to have collaboration and then expand their concept of their own technology. Um, and so I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is looking at erector spinae blocks versus serratus anterior blocks. The literature on both is very limited, but I think more and more people are starting to do them. And so it would be nice to get people together to look at them, um, especially with a lot of emphasis on decreasing opiates and then trying to give better blocks. There's a lot of pressure to come up with alternatives that may be more effective. And so I think that's another area. Almost all the studies looking at them are really more just case series, so. Great, that's awesome. Why is scuff important to you? Uh, I think scuff's probably important for everybody because whereas it used to be the emergency ultrasound fellowships, we're now scuffed because uh, point of care ultrasound has taken off and now that more and more subspecialties or other specialties are trying to do point of care ultrasound, this is now the place where the leaders in that field are and um, we're the ones setting the agenda and we're the ones creating research ideas and generating educational programs and so this is where you get to work with the people who are actually doing it and so that's nice. Great. Thank you for uh, being on. I'm Lori Stoltz. I'm at the University of Cincinnati, and I'm their ultrasound director. Well, it's great to have you today, Lori. How, uh, how's, the, how's the day so far? How are you liking Scuff so, so far? So far, so good. I think the only downside is that is it is criminally beautiful outside. It's way different than it was yesterday. That's <laughs> absolutely for sure. So we just had a couple questions for you this morning. So what applications do you think we need to see more research in? Um, I don't think that I would answer that in an application-based way. I think that the research that we need right now is about 
one, learning curves. Like I'm really into these studies that are coming out about learning curves because I, I use that information when I'm talking to credentialing, when I'm teaching, whether it's medical students or residents or fellows. All of that is like informing how I teach. It's informing how I credential people and how we use it in the hospital. Um, we're like starting a POCUS uh, for the hospital, okay. like a POCUS group. And so talking about that interdisciplinarily too is really important. Um, the other piece is looking at how to best use ultrasound in the most uh, time effective ways. Because okay. I think what we're getting into is where we're doing more and more advanced applications, these exams are taking longer, but if we really want POCUS to translate into community medicine and like every single emergency department and every single critically ill patient, we need to think more critically about the time value of these studies. And um, I don't know the best way to research that, but if we could get any answers there, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, clearly there's a lot in the, the med ed literature, and you know, I don't know a lot of that has crossed over into the ultrasound literature. Have you seen anything come out, or have you seen any research um, on these topics that you've read that have been particularly interesting or, or you know, sort of um, driving you in that direction? Um, some, as far as, like, the learning curve stuff yeah. goes, there's been, there's been several coming out, um, and I know that the... Um, the group at SickKids in Toronto, they're doing a lot of research right now where they're showing images to groups of physicians and then and on software and then watching them over time and and how their diagnostic ability with image review improves over time. I think that's really interesting. That's awesome. Um, any other particularly interesting research you've seen lately that was like, oh, this is an exciting study? I'm just really excited that more and more of our literature is going into non emergency medicine yeah, journals, absolutely. like the JAMA, the retinal detachment article that just came out. I quote that New England Journal of Medicine article about nephrolithiasis to my residents all the time. Um, that gives a lot of street cred right. when it's when it's getting to the, the outside emergency medicine world. Yeah. Um, let's take a moment to talk about SCUF in general. So, you know, why is it important to you? What do you, um, you know, what do you take away from SCUF coming to this uh, conference every year. Full disclosure, this is my first time coming to SCUF. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> so I don't feel qualified to answer that question. Well, I guess what, what drove you to come to it then? Well, I am going to have my first uh, fellow next year. I We had fellows when I was at Arizona, but I wasn't in charge. So now, yeah. I, now I'm coming at it with like completely different eyes. But also when I come to these kind of conferences, I'm, I'm learning stuff that has nothing to do with fellow education. I'm thinking about systems-based things that I'm gonna change, like this mobile S-dot. I'm already thinking about, like, we're, we're trying to put ultrasound machines on our, on our helicopters. And, wow. and people were, there was some discussion about that. So I'm, I'm learning from the crowd, just like I do at all these other conferences that we go to together. That's awesome. Well, uh, I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of the conference. And thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thank you, thanks for having me. Hey there, I'm Kat Ogle. I am the Ultrasound Fellowship Director at GW in Washington, D.C. I think it's been really interesting to see the integration of AI and VR and also AR, so augmented reality, virtual reality, in simulation education. Okay. And I would really like to see sort of further integration of 
you know, the Blue Protocol, the Rush Protocol, all of these in a simulated environment with virtual reality. I think the more and more we talk about gaming as a mode of teaching, uh, I think virtual reality really brings another level of um, the, the approach to the learners, and I think that it'll provide them with a little bit more of a realistic feel to it. Interesting. I think we also could be doing a bit more with MSK ultrasound. Okay. Particularly, I'd like to see some stuff with regard to disc disease. You know, can we actually see someone having a herniated disc? And, you know, can we get better at doing shoulder ultrasound and really talking to people about what um, they're dealing with when we talk about a rotator cuff injury? Right. And I, I think that parlaying those skills into further integration with other specialties so that they really have a, a strong understanding and, and strong feeling that what we're doing is actually accurate and can guide their clinical decision making. Right. Have you seen any studies come out um, in those areas or in other areas in general that you think have been particularly important in our in our specialty lately? I, I can't think of a specific study necessarily, but I think the education in ultrasound and really where it is being integrated into medical school curricula, residency curricula, how do we define competency really is, I think, where we need to be spending some time, especially as we expand and we're collaborating with other specialties, internal medicine, critical care, surgery. We've got to be able to define that competency right. so that we make sure that everybody is is performing ultrasound and performing point of care ultrasound safely right. to, to improve patient outcomes, to improve patient care. I would also like to see the expansion of this into underserved communities in the states. I mean, we talk about global ultrasound and there is a, a phenomenal cadre of folks that are actually doing global ultrasound. Let's parlay those skills into the provision of care to our local populations who are underserved. Right, right. That's awesome. What is it about SCUF that, that brings you and that drives you? So the thing that I like about SCUF is the fact that it does integrate multiple different specialties. And, and really, I think that's so important for us, those of us who are involved in medical student education and medical student ultrasound education. You don't want to have tunnel vision, and you don't want to be focused in your area like, oh, this is only point-of-care ultrasound, this is only emergencies, and this is how I use it, and you have to use it this way. I think it's so important to have a platform where you can foster these collaborative and collegial conversations and make plans for the future, make plans for expansion, make plans for innovation. And I think that SCUF provides a phenomenal place to network to see all of your tweets. I mean, I've seen so many people here that I have like followed on Twitter and just, it's just a great, it's a great uh, community and uh, has just a wonderful, warm environment. And I think we're all here for the same purpose. Yeah, yeah, completely agreed. Well, thank you so much, Kat, for joining us uh, and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thanks so much. I'm Nick Thayuni. I'm the ultrasound director at University of Michigan. And what is an area of point of care ultrasound where you would like to see more research? I think we are at the point in maturity for point of care ultrasound that we need to do more research that's multi-center or more research with patient-oriented outcomes. We've shown that we can do this, but now we need to show that it matters. I love that. Nick, do you have any studies in particular that you always recommend people read or some of your favorites? 
the newest favorite study I have is that Chris Fox paper in JAMA. I think it's us publishing in high-impact journals, a multi-center study, and it takes a basic thing that everyone can do and tells average emergency physicians that this is absolutely ready for prime time. And I think you're referring to the ocular study, is that correct? That is correct. That is definitely a great article to check out. Nick, lastly, tell me, uh, what does SCUF mean to you? Why do you like coming here? I like coming to SCUF because we have some of the most brilliant ultrasound minds in one room, and they're also friendly. It's like a combination of ultrasound potluck while also being in, like, Athens, Greece in the middle, or in the ancient times. Like, all these smart people, all this smart thinking, and also they're very friendly people. That's great. I was not aware that Greece was so friendly back then, but I like that idea. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Hi, everybody. My name is Vicki Noble, and I am an ultrasound person. I Right now, I'm the program director and the vice chair for academics at University Hospitals in Cleveland. Thanks for being here, Vicki. I think um, what we're lacking or what we're needing right now in the POCUS research arena is more outcome studies, because I think we've proven that we're accurate. I think we've proven that we can do it. I think we've proven that people learn it in a relatively efficient um, amount of time with a relatively lower than expected uh, amount of scans. But I think what we don't know is what does it do for the patient? And so, for example, um, looking at some of the studies recently uh, with um, renal colic and ultrasound and outcomes so that you can feel safe not scanning people or looking at some of the hypotension studies and, you know, what is what is the kind of protocol for when you switch over to pressors from, um, from fluid resuscitation and, and sepsis. So things like that where we now can more um, have a better sense of how our ultrasound impacts patients. And some of it could even be easy, like, for example, length of stay. You know, if you do your transabdominal um, uh, ultrasound for people with, you know, relatively benign abdominal exams, uh, you know, what is the rate of capture? Do you get, get false positives? Like, things like that where I think outcomes would really uh, um, benefit from some of that um, research. Yeah, so it's not even that you're calling for really robust multi-center randomized control trials necessarily. It's more so that we need to shift our focus to what we're measuring as a value, an added value for the point of care ultrasound. Exactly, because I think in, in, in as we go forward in healthcare, we're going to be pushed to really prove that the technologies and the things that we are doing add value. And I believe ultrasound does that, and I know there are some applications where we've proven it does that, but I think we need um, even registries or things like that where we can look across big populations and see um, what what kind of uh, applications or what kind of POCUS applications have the biggest impact. Talking about all these studies. Are there any studies in existence already that you think are necessary for our readers to know about? Well, I actually think one of the areas or one of the clinical um, diagnostic areas where a lot of this outcomes research is being done is in heart failure. So because, um, you know, I think finally beelines and uh, looking at beelines as a measure for pump function and cardiac function um, has has got some traction, a bunch of people are now looking at what do we diarese to, what is the appropriate number of beelines, when are people hospitalizable, when can they be treated at home. So there's a lot of cool things you can do with that. Could patients diagnose themselves? Um, and 
as usual, the Italians have kind of um, bested us. They have a great new study out uh, in the European Journal of Heart Failure looking at uh, beeline counts. Um, I think Dr. Pavetta is the first author, and looking at beeline counts and predicting, you know, sort of how patients do. To toot our own horn here in the Midwest, there's a group of us um, from a bunch of different um, Midwest uh, academic institutions that are working with Peter Pang and the group at Indiana um, to look at uh, beelines and whether they correlate with um, patient progression for a hospital stay for um, heart failure. And we are in the final stages of looking at our, our data for that. So I'm really excited that there'll be some good stuff coming out there. So I think um, it, the heart failure research has been really rewarding because there aren't gold standards. We do have a lot of very nebulous outcomes, and so could uh, ultrasound and, and lung ultrasound in particular help us refine our treatment, refine our um, lengths of stay, all that kind of stuff in a, in a more scientific way. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing those results. And thanks to you for all your work in the field of lung sonography. You know, I think everyone uses it in large part because you've been pushing this gospel forward. <laughs> pushing is one word. <laughs> yeah, but I do, I do think it it's easy and it has a lot of potential. So, yeah. It certainly does. Just lastly, Vicki, while I have you here, we're here at SCUF 2019, and I'd just love to hear your thoughts on SCUF. What do you get out of this meeting? Why do you like coming to it? First of all, it's amazing to see how far we've come. I mean, I know we say this a lot in point of care ultrasound, but um, we had the first SCUF meeting in Boston uh, five or six years ago now, and there was about... 50-ish people, and we were in kind of a small conference room, and here we are in Columbus at The Ohio State University um, in a big auditorium with, I think there's 170 or something registrants. So I think um, just seeing all that energy and excitement and how much um, the leadership for point-of-care ultrasound training has developed and grown is really exciting. I think, um, you know, the SCUF founders and the, you know, kind of originators of EUS fellowships really gave a structure to our training pathways that we've all benefited from. It gives guidelines, it organizes a match, it makes, um, you know, sort of training for fellows more standard, um, all doing that sort of within the community um, without a lot of outside oversight. And I think that's been really the key to our development. Thanks so much, Vicki. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. You too. Thanks for having me. And so what a wonderful collection of ideas. You can see that there's a lot of parallel ideas here, a lot of overlap. We want higher caliber research methods, multi-center, high rigor to our methods. And that's going to take a lot of collaboration. So part of what we stand for, what we love at Ultrasound Gel is that we want not only for you to understand the research that's out there, but be inspired to start performing research. So when we come together at conferences like this or other national or international conferences, meet people, talk about ideas, think about what is the next question you want to tackle so that we can do this research, get the data, and benefit our patients. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later. More. Pressure. More. Down. More. Pressure. More. Gel. More. Ultrasound gel, gel, gel podcast. podcast.